This is Tea on the Hudson, a news and lifestyle podcast where we're spilling all of the Hudson County tea and more. My name is Jen Trapuka. I'm the founder of HobokenGirl.com and a Hudson County resident. On this show, we share news, lifestyle topics of interest, interviews, and have guest Hoboken Girl contributors on to delve into the things that matter to local residents. This week, money expert and author of The 30-Day Money Cleanse, Ashley Feinstein, is here to talk all about things money and living in the New York City metro while affording your life. Plus, we've got some free and inexpensive things to do in Hoboken and Jersey City that she'll share with us. Later in the show, fan favorite Sean Angle of Witchy Wisdoms is here to chat about crystals and which are good for clearing energy at work. Our coffee pick this week is from Hidden Grounds, which has several locations, including one in Hoboken and also at Harsimus Cove in Jersey City. I'm drinking a Brazil decaf with notes of lemon, butter, and chocolate. It is delicious. Donations for the Hoboken Girl Helps formal wear sale are in full effect. We are getting lots of your donations, so thank you so much to everyone who's already donated. You can donate anything from gently used prom dresses, bridesmaids dresses, suits, tuxes, men's shoes, women's formal shoes, jewelry, and then we accept new only beauty products and hair products and nail products. And they will all be on sale on March 28th at the Hoboken Community Center in Hoboken at 124 Grand Street. So definitely save the date, come on by, and make sure you're dropping off. We have all the information on hobokengirl.com right now. Our sponsor for this episode is the Hoboken Wellness Crawl, which tickets just went on sale yesterday. So very, very exciting if you're listening to this on Tuesday morning. And the Hoboken Wellness Crawl, if you haven't heard, is a citywide event that takes place in Hoboken, hosted by our Hoboken Girl team. This year it's happening April 26th, and essentially it's a bar crawl for health and wellness. So no alcohol, just all health and wellness and fitness. There's fitness classes throughout the day, lectures, fun different things happening at all of the different businesses around town, and then lots more. So definitely get your tickets at hobokenwellnesscrawl.com. If you use the code T on the Hudson, you'll get 10% off for the first 20 people to use the code. So head to hobokenwellnesscrawl.com and use the code T on the Hudson for 10% off. And we will see you April 26th. We can't wait. The businesses are being announced very soon that are participating. So stay tuned and definitely get your tickets. Code T on the Hudson. So grab a mug and let's get started with our news. The city of Hoboken has announced that it is halfway done in phase one of its efforts to replace the city's water mains. The water main project will bring 15 blocks of new water mains throughout Hoboken. Most recently, the project has been focusing on replacing water mains in the areas of Bloomfield and Second Streets, as well as 67 of the most, quote, vulnerable areas, according to a press release from the city. Of course, the Mile Square hasn't been without its share of water main breaks since the start of this replacement project. Just two weeks ago, a significant water main break on Willow Street caused a flood to accumulate outside of the Trader Joe's in Uptown Hoboken. Replacing the old infrastructure could also be a big win for our tap water. While officials have deemed our tap water legally safe to drink, citing that Suez is doing everything on its end to supply clean, safe water, Old pipes with lead fixtures could significantly endanger the integrity of the water as it travels from Suez's aqueducts and into Hoboken. You can learn more about that in episodes two and three from Tea on the Hudson. After all 67 vulnerable water mains have been replaced, however, the second phase of the project for Suez is to pave all the roads compromised by the replacements. As of right now, the repaving part of the project could either start in late 2020 or early 2021. As if parking in Hoboken wasn't already a hassle, this coming March, City Meter's hourly rates will increase to $2 per hour. This change passed with a vote of 5-4 by the City Council and is supported by Hoboken Chamber of Commerce, according to NJ.com. The change will also raise revenue as the city faces a deficit in the millions and to free up parking near businesses. 
Additionally, the city council also has passed the amended Hoboken Yard Redevelopment Plan. Now that the plan has been passed, according to NJ.com, this means that the developer, LCOR, and the city of Hoboken can start negotiating to come to an agreement regarding the project. The second annual Hoboken Literary Weekend is coming back this April 3rd through April 5th. It's hosted by Mile Square's very own Little City Books. The weekend-long event will feature three days of storytelling and talks from a variety of local authors, who will also chat about their current and upcoming works. We're looking forward to this year's event, but in the meantime, check out last year's on HobokenGirl.com. Big news for Jersey City, there are finally image renderings of what the new Journal Square Irby will look like, and we're sharing them on Hoboken Girl. The Journal Square Irby is described by Iron State Development as a, quote, modern urban living concept, modeled after a similar building in Manhattan. The Irby will convert 19,000 square feet of a parking lot at 571 to 77 Pavonia Avenue into a 25-story development. The city of Hoboken's battle with New York Waterway over the future of the Union Dry Dock may finally see an end. Hudson County View reports that negotiations are headed toward a settlement, one that doesn't involve Hoboken utilizing eminent domain. You may remember that New York Waterway acquired the Union Dry Dock land in 2017 and had plans to transform the space into a ferry refueling and maintenance station. This was the plan that Mayor Bala and local residents fought against, arguing it would cause ecological and environmental damage to the area. Last week, Jason Freeman, operations manager at City Hall, said the city and the chairman of New York Waterway were moving closer to a deal that doesn't involve eminent domain. We'll keep you posted on what that means coming soon. Via Transportation has launched 14 on-demand vans in Jersey City as of February 25th. The goal of this program is to bring on-demand transportation to underserved areas, and the launch will kick off between Greenville and Jersey City Heights. Each van can hold up to six passengers, and even some of these vehicles will be electric. Commuters can order an on-demand van with VIA through the company's app and will be transported to any of the company's transit hubs in Journal Square and in downtown Jersey City. Last week, the Jersey City Council voted to scale back the time speakers are allotted during the public portion of meetings, from five minutes to three minutes. The measure passed on second reading by a vote of 5-3. In addition to curbing the time limit public comment, the local legislation will also implement a five-minute time constraint per speaker for budget hearings. Budget hearings previously did not have any speaking limitations for the public. A statewide investigative commission has called out 16 towns throughout the state of New Jersey for financial, quote, waste and abuse in a new report. According to Hoboken Patch, Hoboken is actually one of them. The report, titled The Beat Goes On and On, alleges that these 16 cities and towns, including Hoboken, allowed employees to take their birthdays as, quote, paid days off. Hoboken is also mentioned in the report as allowing employees a paid day off for blood donations, being in a wedding party, or a bar mitzvah. In Jersey City, the report cites the city's terminal leave, which rewards employees with huge cash bonuses at the time of their retirement, as a, quote, huge expense for the city. In fact, the report blames terminal leave for tightening up budgets and funding in other areas, citing that the city of Jersey City paid $8.1 million in terminal leave to retiring workers in 2019. These benefits, the report says, violate state and local regulations that limit excessive perks and compensation. Other towns and cities cited in the report include Brick, East Orange, Elizabeth, Englewood Cliffs, Franklin Township, Harrison, Long Branch, and Lodi. Kirsten and Krista Gormley, the owners of Shaka Bowl in Hoboken and past guests on our show, were featured on The Rachel Ray Show last week, along with their longtime employee and friend, Brianna Pagaro. After participating in the New York City Wine and Food Fest from fall 2019, Brianna, a super fan of Rachel Ray, met Rachel, got her cookbook signed, and then was invited onto the show. The episode aired on February 25th. Congrats, ladies. A Yonkers man has been arrested after, quote, unnecessarily spraying a fire extinguisher in the basement of Hoboken's 
own McSwiggins Pub. Patrick McGill, 23, of Yonkers, was charged with creating false public alarm, police said. The call alleged that an unknown man had discharged a fire extinguisher in the basement of the bar. When the officers arrived, fire alarms went off inside the building and the bar was evacuated. The Hoboken Fire Department was dispatched and investigated the source of the alarms. McGill was placed on a summons and released, authorities say. And now for our openings and closings. Milk and Cream Bar's Jersey City location looks closer than ever to opening as official signage at the 175 Newark Ave has gone up. This is formerly the spot of 24-7 Grocery Deli at 175 Newark Avenue, and it will now be the home of amazing cereal creations. According to their online menu, Milk and Cream Bar will offer nearly every kind of cereal imaginable as an ice cream topping, not to mention actual bowls of cereal. We are very, very excited for this grand opening date and will keep you posted when we know it. After nearly 50 years in business in Jersey City, Filipino grocery store Phil Stop has announced it has closed its doors as of February 9th. Phil Stop originally opened in Jersey City in 1973. We also just got word last week that Hoboken's downtown spot at 32 Newark Street will now be opening as Coco Loco, a Latin fusion casual eatery and bar. The new concept will stay true to its roots while offering dinner, brunch, and happy hour, and of course feature live DJs and nightlife entertainment every Friday and Saturday. Patrons can expect a fun, casual Latin fusion experience with Instagram-worthy details like an oversized car on the wall, as well as oversized drinks and neon signs. A new gym called Wolfpack Fitness is coming to Hoboken between Park and Garden Streets. With sister businesses in Kearney, Lyndhurst, and Maplewood, Wolfpack's all-inclusive memberships offer access to each facility. There's no word yet on when it will be opening, but the Hoboken chapter seems very excited on both their Facebook and Instagram to open their doors. We will keep you posted as we get more info. Kiki Lou Gelato, an artisanal gelato and espresso bar, is officially coming to Hoboken, even though we did share this a few months ago. But an Instagram post from their actual Instagram announced that it will be moving into the former Gold Cleaners location at 900 Garden Street. So it is official and we'll share more once we know when the delicious spot will be opening. The New York City metro area is such an expensive place to live that spending and saving concerns are often top of mind. And our featured guest today, Ashley Feinstein, is a Hoboken resident and money expert. She's here to talk about all things money, things to do in the area that are free or inexpensive, how to not scale our lifestyles as our incomes go up, and so much more. If you're not familiar with Ashley... She's the founder of The Fiscal Femme and creator and author of The 30-Day Money Cleanse. She's been featured on CNBC, Forbes, NBC, Glamour, and The New York Times, just to name a few. Hi, Ashley. Thanks so much for coming in. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. I love having you contribute to the site. You have such a wealth of knowledge. You're, you know, obviously an author. You're just doing so many things. You're a money coach. How did you get into this profession? It's <laughs> a great question. <laughs> I started doing this because I needed it myself. I studied finance in college and then I worked in finance and still knew absolutely nothing about my own money. <laughs> and when I switched from my investment banking job into my corporate finance job, I took a big pay cut and was bleeding through my money. My lifestyle was completely unsustainable and I had to figure it out for myself. And I did find that a lot of the... the The resources out there were daunting, boring, mostly written by older white men, four white Mm -hmm. men. So I wanted to share in my voice um, what I learned and what I thought would be really beneficial for others. And when did you do this? What year? This was in, so it kind of started in 2011. 2012 is when I started writing. And you write for, you know, you obviously wrote a book and you you write for Hoboken Girl. Where else have you been published and written? It's another good question. So I, I have been very lucky to be in a lot of different um, publications and media and quoted in different things. I started out writing just for the Fiscal Femme, which was my blog at the time. And then 
other people started asking me to write for them and other people started asking me for help, like, oh, can you help me do this? And I thought, oh, this is something like it's not just me. It's other catching people. on. Yeah. People need this. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Now, what is a typical day like for you? Because you're probably doing so many different things because you're writing, you're coaching, you're you're managing budgets. <laughs> yeah. I know, right? <laughs> really? The, I've tried to structure my week a little bit because I do so many different things. I do a lot of talking with people like this on um, media. I do a lot of speaking and workshops that go into companies and do workshops and lunch and learns for employees. Then I create content and courses. Um, so I've been working on batching it more so that it's not like a frenzied 100 things a day. Um, but I do spend time working with people one-on-one and creating the courses and writing. And you've written the 30-day money cleanse. Let's talk about it. What is the 30-Day Money Cleanse. Thank you for my copy, by the way. I <laughs> dove into it. There's so much good stuff in there. I'm so glad you love it. Um, so the 30-Day Money Cleanse actually came from a course that I created five years ago. And I created the course because I was helping people one-on-one. That's where it started. I was writing and helping people one-on-one. And I noticed I was saying a lot of the same things over and over again. And I also believe that money and food are very similar because they're just so emotionally charged and about so much more than the numbers. If it were just about the numbers, it'd be really simple. Money in, money out, calories in, calories out. So true. (laughs) And so the Money Cleanse is a 30-day program that's all around creating a spending plan that aligns with your values so that you feel like you're living a bigger, more meaningful life, but you're actually saving a lot more money. Mm, So you're not just feeling like, oh, I'm restricted, but I feel happy right. in, what, in what I'm doing. <laughs> and it's a, it's like, dis, it's different than kind of like a diet where you can't go out to eat because the money cleanse fits with your life so that it's a lifestyle going forward. So we do some things to really get clear and then it's something that you can take with you for the months and years to come. That's so cool. Now, who are the people that you work with on a one-on-one kind of basis? Because you have a coaching business, which, I mean, run me through that process. Yeah. So it's interesting. It's funny how we often think that people will often say, oh, the people who you're working with have like a lot of money issues or they're really struggling. And a lot of us feel that way because we don't talk about money. We don't realize that our best friend sitting across from the table from us is stressed about it too. And so that can make so us true. feel We really don't talk alone. about it at all. I know. Yeah. So I think that makes it feel very isolating and alone. So people a lot of times feel like they're doing so much worse than they really are. And people who often work with me are people who know that we can always improve and reach more goals. And so they're people who are often doing so many of the right things already. And they just know that it's kind of like you can always grow in your personal development, you can always grow in your money journey. So I tend to work with a lot of people kind of like us, like yeah. um, in their 20s and 30s, um, but really it runs the gamut. And for different goals like paying down debt, built, starting to save, learning to invest, buying their first house, planning for family, often it's triggered by a type of transition. Like mm. I'm getting buying married, I'm or, buying a yeah. house, I'm having a baby. Like, like oh God, what do I do? What do, I do? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's really cool. And I think that people don't have that because when I went to school, I mean, I remember my sixth grade teacher taught us how to write a check. Like nobody tells you how to do this stuff. I mean, of course, that's really like basics, but no one learns it unless you're in finance. And even like you said, when you're in a finance job or a finance career, you're really not even doing it for yourself. You're doing it for someone else. Yeah. So it's pretty crazy. I never learned one thing about personal finance and I was a finance major. So it's nuts. Yeah. So with that, we have a ton of listeners in the Hudson County area, New York City area. It's clear we're spending too much money on everything. (laughs) Everything is so expensive. So what are people spending their money on first? Yeah, I'd say so we're all different. And I think a lot of times we're spending money because other people are doing it. It's what we think we should do uh, or we're just in the habit of it or we don't even realize we're spending it. So a, a big important part of it is aligning our spending with what actually brings us joy. Um, But if we want to, so a lot of that is 
food, sure. <laughs> dining out, drinks, a oh, huge one. All of it. Um, <laughs> and then I would say a lot of travel, um, a lot for rent or their mortgage because it's mm-hmm. expensive to live around here. It's funny. We, we want to live around here, but then we're like, we got to pay a lot of money to get out of here to travel. <laughs> right. <laughs> I only want to be here a little bit. I know. <laughs> no, that's so true. I think that people... We really spend so much here. And I mean, from a latte to a, you know, we we're talking about lunch. I mean, everything is just so expensive in the New York City metro area. So with New York City and this area getting increasingly expensive, how do we not scale our lifestyles as our incomes go up? Because someone, you know, might move here from another state and be like, wow, I'm making X, Y, Z, but I'm also paying X, Y, Z in my mortgage or my rent based on the new income that we may have living here. Yes. And it's interesting because when I had my first job, I thought, you know what? I'm just not earning enough to actually save money. Mm -hmm. And then I got a raise and then I waited till the end of the paycheck. Like, oh, now I'll be able to save. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) And that happens a lot of times. And I actually talk to people. um, A lot of people complain about this. They'll say, when I started my first job, I was making like half of what I made when I when I, what I do now. And for some reason, my lifestyle doesn't look any better, but I'm spending all of the money I'm earning. And so it's so easy to scale our lifestyles here. Yes. And we've called it, I've called it golden shackles where you Mm. like, you get a dishwasher in your new apartment. You're like, well, I can't go back now and get an apartment without a dishwasher. So got to go higher. Right. (laughs) And it's kind of crazy. Like, especially with those like incremental raises, a lot of times we have nothing we can't really point to anything mm-hmm. that improved in our life we're just like eating a few more dinners out taking a few more ubers or lifts and oh this is so depressing yeah <laughs> and so you can point to it but it's not like making our lives better so mm-hmm. um a few things on this i don't <laughs> tell us yes <laughs> so i think a really kind of depressing for, thing at first but that is really liberating is that it's actually never going to be enough mm. and I uh. I know. <laughs> I don't know if you saw Bill Gates' docu-series Inside Bill's Brain. No, not yet. So one of the – it's really cool. It talks about the different projects and his story and what the, the Gates Foundation is doing. But the thing that stood out to me the most was that in one of the projects, he's, like, stressed about the budget of the project. He sits down with Warren Buffett and has to ask him for money because wow. he runs out of money. And he has $100 billion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So, of so course – So we're screwed. Yeah. So basically, like, as long as your needs are met. Right. You have to have food and you have to have a home and you have to be safe. But after a certain amount, like we can always want more. Um, And it's part of our culture, like just buy that one more thing and you'll finally feel beautiful enough, cool enough, young enough. And then maybe you feel it for a second, but it goes away. And so I think doing the exercise of saying how much would actually be enough where I wouldn't want any more. And the crazy part, like, yes, I would have some major lifestyle upgrades if I had more money, right? Right. But I'd also start a foundation and I'd also start businesses and my impact would scale based on the amount of money I had. So it really wouldn't ever be enough. Um, and I think the once we get over the depression of that, we it's like I'm re- I'm depressed right now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like really you need depressed. A minute, yeah. I'm like I'm like listening to you and I'm my pit in my stomach right now. Like it's never enough. No, so, yeah. So the the other part of that, it's never enough or it's already more than enough. Oh. And so it the cool part is it kind of frees us from acquisition culture and keeping up with the Joneses because we know that we can just be happy now. Of course, we want to get paid more. We want to save more. But it's not going to be the fix that we think it's going to be. So I think that is a really big mindset shift that just changes how we think about our raises. Um, And then saving ourselves from ourselves when we have a, when we have a pay increase. So Mm -hmm. getting the money out of the account, I think when we're talking about a raise or our tax refund coming up soon, like anything we can do to plan in advance before money hits our account, we're going to be a lot more successful. Like save, right to the savings or something. Right. So if yeah. I know I'm gonna I'm going to have $150 more a paycheck, like what actually do I want that money to do for me? Do I want it to go to a travel fund? Do I want it to go to more savings? So maybe half goes to savings. Maybe half goes to paying down debt. Um, so just thinking strategically in advance, and then having that set up to be automatic. So that we don't wait. No thinking. Yes. No <laughs> thinking. And if we just Boom. leave it in our account, things are always going to come up and because we make decisions based on what's in our account. Oh, 
this is this is hitting home right now. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm a little overwhelmed. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I love it. So you're a Hoboken resident, and. There's obviously a plethora of things to do in Hoboken and Jersey City that are not free and very expensive and also that might be kind of inexpensive and or free. And we've talked about it on the site, Frugal Joys, you call it. Tell us about Frugal Joys and locally what we can do. Yes. So Frugal Joys are free or inexpensive things that make us happy. And they're different for each of us. So I recommend trying them out and seeing if they actually make you happy. If they don't, That doesn't mean we have to give up and be like, this is never going to work. It just might be the wrong frugal joy. And sometimes they even sound good, but then when we do them, they don't feel as fun. So um, if it's kind of fun to think about something that you do that costs money and say, why do I actually like doing that? Is it I feel like I'm getting pampered or it's uh, I'm getting to explore? Like what is the experience? And then switching that for something that's free and expensive. So. Mm. Um, some of my favorite, you know, our library is such an untapped resource. Yes, I had no idea that you can rent out passes to most museums, even in the city, and you just go pick it up, and that will save you $70 if it's two of you Crazy. going to the museum. Yeah, Lib- Hoboken Library is a wealth of wealth, it's pun intended, yeah. of things to do that are free. Yes, I love, yeah, so that's really cool. And also what's, that's great because doesn't matter what the season is or what the weather is like you have a frugal joy there and you can explore and like meet those cultural um yeah and they also this is just a fun fact I'm not sure if people know but their kindle you can rent books on your kindle for free I mean of course you can rent a library book too but my husband does it like every week he gets new kindle books that's amazing and if you think about like Amazon how much we spend on Amazon (laughs) around books and yeah so that's incredible And there's, of course, things we can do outside. Like we have probably we have so many amazing parks. So depending on the weather or depending on how you can you're okay with bundling, like going and having a picnic or walking along the waterway is so nice. Taking photos. Yeah, that's great. We have the most beautiful views. Yeah. Any other any other frugal joys in the area? There's usually like free events and concerts and movies in the park, depending on the time of year festivals. So I think just being up on that, it's really a win win because you get to feel part of the community and like you're and you can also meet other residents and mm-hmm. meet your friends there. And so just don't bring any cash or money and then you <laughs> won't buy anything at the festival <laughs> or only bring out as much as you want to spend. This at the is festival. true. Yes, that is that is the uh, that is the ticket. <laughs> yeah, we have a ton of millennial listeners and readers that, you know, when you've written articles, I feel like a lot of what you talk about really speaks to them. I think that a lot of people, myself included, when I moved to Hoboken, we come out of college, we, you know, get a job, we start say, okay, I can afford this rent because I have XYZ job. But, you know, there might be student loans, there might be, you know, you want to start saving. There's so many things that we don't take into account when we're just coming to a new place and we're super excited about it, I would say. So what are some of the tips that you could give people who are just moving here or really trying to get their lives started as far as financial health and all of that? Yes. So I would say the first place to start would be with awareness Mm. because so it's so easy, especially now with technology to have no idea what you're spending your money on. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Taking an Uber or Lyft, you don't actually even pay. You don't even see it. It You don't even see it. Um, Swiping a credit card feels really different than handing over like 20s and 20s for buying a piece of a pair of jeans or something. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, and we talked about like ordering stuff for you can hit one button and things show up. Seamless. Boom. Seamless. Right. Right. So um, I think it's really helpful to actually become aware of where your money's going so that we can decide if, first of all, if it's going too many places, right, and if it's going to the places that we want it to. So I'm a huge fan of just keeping a money journal. You can do that by writing down the amount and the item in a notebook, or you can use an app as long as the app has you enter the expense manually because mm. apps that sync automatically are more of that Just same. Like, oh, there it is. Exactly. <laughs> Too late. I spent that much on yeah. food. Um, so I think that's a big one. And then paying ourselves first, like going back to what to do when we get an, a raise or it's like how we traditionally save money doesn't work. We earn right. money. We pay our everyone else first. We live our lives and we hope there's going to be money left over to save. 
and there isn't ever. Mm-hmm. Like there's a few unicorns who are able to do it that way, but I've met like three. So, <laughs> so we want. I am not one of them. <laughs> I am not either. So we want to set up automatic transfers. If you're just starting out, or if you're like Ashley, there's no way I can save. I'm living paycheck to paycheck. Start with five dollars a paycheck or five dollars a week. Just to get in that habit. Yes, get in the habit, and you'll. It's kind of like the apps that steal from you. The cool part about them is it kind of opens your mind to realize, oh, there is room to save. It's more just when I log in and see the money there, I decide, oh, I'm going to get that or I need that or whatever it is. Speaking of apps, are there any must-have apps that people should have or use? It's a good question. So apps, there's so many apps. and It's overwhelming. It is overwhelming. And it's funny because I used to review apps, but then there would be an update and they're like, Ashley, that's no longer a problem with our app. I'm like, this is too much. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think it's, it's really personal. I would just say that um, I'm a fan of apps that you don't have to pay for. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of apps that you have to, at least at first, enter in your expenses manually. Mm-hmm. Keeping it simple because sometimes when they're so overwhelming that um, – it just makes us not want to do it. So I would say if you do use one, start simple um, and start manually. Mm-hmm. And So not Mint or something like that. A lot of people like Mint. Mint is helpful if you put in the work. So it miscategorizes at first because it, it doesn't does. know what anything is. So if you don't recategorize it or train it or sometimes if people's bills are different every time, it needs to be trained every time, then that info you're getting is not helpful. Right. It's just there. (laughs) Yeah. When I bought my husband's wedding band, I got an email from Mint that I spent 90% of my money at bars that week (laughs) because it was from De Beers. Oh my God. That's so funny. Yeah. It's like, this is shocking. (laughs) The other thing that really rocked me, I was looking over stuff before our interview, was the stat about spending $27 a day. And that actually equals, if you add it up, about Ten thousand over ten thousand dollars a year in whatever it is that you're spending twenty seven dollars on. So if you're getting three coffees a day plus lunch, or maybe it's two coffees a day and plus lunch in the city, that is you're spending ten grand easily on eating out for just lunch or something. Yeah, I that blew my mind. I know, and you know it's interesting. So I think what's really cool and about creating a plan. So mm-hmm. I think. We often view, and I hate the word budget. You know, I hate that word, but yeah. it it makes you too. It like makes you feel like your expenses are being pried you're constrained. Out. Yeah, my fun. There's no fun, but um, so I call them happiness allocations. Mm. I think it's a much more fitting term. That is, it's how we're allocating our money in the way that's going to make us the happiest. But the part of that that's really important is we see, and I like to do it on an annual basis, so looking at the full year. Because when we look at our weekly or we look at our monthly, we're not seeing the true impact of those expenses. Like my daily smoothie could be $10,000, you know, like what is happening? So seriously, and then I might think, oh, I can't afford to do this other thing that I really want to do. And I would gladly give up that other thing if I knew. So the cool part in my philosophy is that there's no right way to spend our money. We just want to take an honest look so that we can decide for ourselves what makes us the happiest. So if someone in my community is like, I spend 3000 a year on my coffee, but I love it and I know that that's what I'm doing. Like and your happiness piece. Yeah. Right, and no other thing makes me happier or I don't want to switch it out for anything. Then that's great. They're consciously mm-hmm. choosing it when it's something we're just doing every day and we're not realizing and we're missing out on other things we want or not hitting our goals because of that. Then um, that's, that's like a, the powerful, that's powerless feeling. Um, so I think, yeah, so I would say that's what I would think about with the $27 a day. Like, <laughs> it really messed me up though. I was looking, I was like, oh my God, I like order smoothies and coffees and I'm sure it's easily $27 some days, like easily. Right. It's crazy. And just because I want a little treat. (laughs) Right. And what else? And that's the funny part with treating ourselves. It's like, what's truly the treat? Right. Like, is it that 10,000 going? And it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It could be like, I get half of, spend half of that. And then $5,000 goes to something that would be more beneficial to me or that I'm more excited about. Mm -hmm. So like thinking about what truly treats ourselves. And when we talk about budget, I know it's not a word you like to use, but what is the best way to go about creating a budget of any size? Yes. So I actually have a tool that I can share, the free template for Mm -hmm. people to use. But basically what I like to look at is what's coming in for the next year. And 
for entrepreneurs, that's tougher to do. If you have a W-2 salary, I recommend putting in what actually hits your bank account. So like mm. not your salary because right. that's not what we have that's available. <laughs> exactly. It's a depressing first paycheck kind of thing. Um, but multiplying what you get per paycheck by 26 if you get paid every two weeks or by 12 if you're paid monthly, whatever it is. That's what your pie is for the year. Mm -hmm. And then putting in your expenses and not forgetting, because the other part of, that is important about creating a plan in is to look at it annually because some of the things we do aren't happening every week or month, like travel, the holidays. Right. like even, Those are things you have to think about, though. Right. And the mm -hmm. money in your account that looks like it's left over for you to do whatever you want with is probably should be going to those things so that you're not – pulling from savings or putting things on credit cards mm -hmm. for those trips. So I can talk about a strategy for that. And then the cool part about having a plan, like a budget or a happiness allocation, is when you build in things that are splurges or things that you just want, that doesn't mean you don't have to only spend money on needs, you can buy, you can spend the money guilt-free because you know it works with the plan. When we don't have a plan, everything kind of feels guilty because we're like, it's so true. can I do this? I don't know. Like, I'm just going to do it. We'll see. <laughs> right. I'm going to feel really terrible about I'll it. I'll figure this out later. <laughs> it's so true. But for travel, so travel is a great example. Um, holidays are great. Even like some of our cut and colors that happen quarterly are like expensive and can mm -hmm. really big yeah. cash feel tight. So what I like to look at for these these in irregular bigger expenses is called sinking funds. Hmm. A sinking fund is kind of a really cool name for it because it's a fund we build up to just sink, to spend on something. Oh, so it's actually S-I-N-K, sink? Yes. <laughs> I was thinking like sinking it all together, but... Oh, uh, no, yeah. yeah. I like but, that too. But it, but it is like a sinking fund. Right. <laughs> just coming out. <laughs> so like if I know I'm going to go on a weekend trip that's going to be $1,000 or the holidays I want to spend $1,000, mm -hmm. instead of having the $1,000 come out in one paycheck which makes cash tight, which I have to pull from savings or put on a credit card that I'm stressed about paying off. Mm -hmm. I have $43 per paycheck transfer to my holiday fund ah. or my travel fund. So it just slowly does it and you don't feel like this big deficit. Right. So it smooths it out over the whole year. And then the money is just there waiting for you when it's time to spend it. And you can, if you want to get the points, you can put it on a credit card, transfer it over or you can transfer over the cash in advance, but oh, it's just a great tip. Yeah, it's so much better. It it's, makes you feel like a little more in control. Exactly, and we can be doing every single other thing right, but if we don't smooth those bigger things out, it's just going to feel futile. Like I'm saving and then I'm pulling it out for my this bachelorette party or this wedding. Is that's that's such a good way to do it, and that really probably helps with your budgeting too. Yes, that bad word, but <laughs> no, exactly. And you're planning, you're budgeting. Yeah. I mean, I guess everyone's different, right? So we all have different incomes. We have different expenses. Are there percentages for the breakdown of what you should be spending your money on? So I know we income. love, yeah, we love having like the answer, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that people ask me all the time, like, am I getting an A in my finances? <laughs> but it depends, I think. And so I'm not a fan of the percentages. The, For example, someone might love to travel and want to live in a less expensive apartment. Mm -hmm. Or someone might love their apartment and wants to cook every night in and would be willing to spend much more money on their apartment or their home. Um, and so in that same way, like around shopping or different things, I would say it depends on you. I had a client who was a handbag designer and she was eating lunch out every day. Mm -hmm. And I think it added up to like... I forget what it added up to, but she realized that it would be so much more fun for her to spend that money on clothes and actually bring her lunch. Mm. So she actually upped her shopping, but decreased her lunch because that was oh, a, I can do that. a spend <laughs> that made her happy, right? right. So, so it's yeah. little things like that, little changes and, and figuring out like what it should be breakdown to. And that makes you more motivated to not eat out if it's, if you could even split it, like half is going to shopping, half's going to a, a, a goal of mine, my number one goal. So I think that's how I'd think about it. And a lot of people should have a shopping fund, like the sinking fund for shopping, mm -hmm. because they don't shop regularly every month. They're shopping seasonally, like so twice a year. So those are bigger chunks that we could be putting money aside for year round. We also have talked and covered a little bit. I've heard you talk about money mindsets. Can we go into that a little bit for our listeners? Yes. So I think the emotional behavioral sides of money are really important. Mm -hmm. And that's why I got certified as a coach, because 
yes, we don't learn about money, but once we do, we're still not doing the things that we know we should be doing. And that's like that emotional behavioral side. Like, how do mm. I get myself to do it? So the uh, the exercise of what is enough, that was definitely a money mindset thing. Mm. Um, the cool part is looking like this awareness that we're talking about, deciding how our money is going to treat us the most. That is money mindset, too, because one of the biggest shifts I see in my clients who are most successful is believing that like spending time with our money and I was in this camp before, like spending time with our, my money, dealing with my money, planning my money was this Ugh, this thing I didn't want to do. It was restrictive. It's going to limit my fun. And the shift is when you realize doing it actually gives you more of what you want. Mm-hmm. So it's a, I call it a radical act of self-love mm, to deal freedom. with freedom. It's freeing. It's freeing. And like thinking about even my life, I was able to stay in a job with a better lifestyle because I figured out the money stuff. I was able to leave my full-time job to run the fiscal femme and self-fund this company because of money. So it's so much power and, like you said, freedom. And that's a different – it's a shift from – viewing it as this restrictive thing to like, this is a gift to myself. That makes so much sense, especially with your mindset. Now to help our listeners with some of their just inspiration for money mindsets and budgeting and all of these things, obviously they should be following you at the fiscal femme, right? Um, But tell me some other Instagram accounts or other things that might be good for them to just inspire them to get them going. Yeah. So with I feel like how we are different and what we love about personal finance is making it doesn't have to be like uptight and serious. Like we can have fun with it. So we have so many funny memes. Your Instagram account is so fun. (laughs) And we're very feminist. Right. So I, I tend to love accounts that have that same vibe where it's like we're learning, we want to do the right things, but we're not taking ourselves too seriously. Um, So I love the financial diet. I love them too. I follow them. They're awesome. Um, Jamila Soufran. I love Journey to Launch is oh, her account. I love that one. I love it. Um, Stephanie O'Connell, Aaron Lowry, The Broke Millennial. Oh, I've heard of The Broke Millennial. Yeah. And My Money, My Future, Ramona. Mm-hmm. It's a great one. It's a good one. Not Ramona from The Real Housewives. <laughs> Not that one. <laughs> her future, her money, her future would be a very different one. <laughs> I would love to hear, because we're all human, what is the biggest splurge that you regret? Yeah. And just like to that point, I yeah. make, make mistakes all the time. I have a weekly newsletter that I'll send the link. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with it. It's called The Money Musing. And I share a reflection every week. And it's like me, my life, my learnings, like I am making mistakes. So mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. Like, <laughs> it's a money journey for a We're reason. We're all human. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I'd say the biggest splurge I regret, I had this moment. It's funny when I would got my first investment banking job, I was making a really great salary. And I was like, I'm going to get Louboutins. <laughs> and I remember trying on probably the most, like, not practical Louboutins and was wearing like around 19 inches tall. They were 10% of my net worth, probably. <laughs> um, and I was walking around my apartment with them. They got scuffed in my apartment, just like a line on them. <laughs> and I was like, this is really dumb, Ashley. And so it was a moment where I'm like, this is what I felt like I should want and what I thought I wanted, and then I got it, and it was a like, oh, not this is not it. really what made me happy, especially given where I am financially. Like, so much of my <laughs> money being in one pair of shoes that, like, the city destroys shoes. So yeah. I return them. Oh, good for you. Yeah. That's that's a good one. Now, biggest splurge you don't regret? Yes. So definitely, we're like a travel. We spent a lot on travel. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be a, definitely a splurge. And then just like everyday life, I buy really expensive salad dressing. <laughs> <laughs> what what salad dressing? Primal Kitchen Caesar. I have I have the Thousand Island. It's so good. They're so good. And they're healthy. And <laughs> people are catching on, though. Yesterday in, in Whole Foods, there was no Primal Dude. Kitchen oh, Caesar. No. I know. Okay, good to know. I've so. got to go stock up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And my other question is your last purchase you just made. Ooh, the last purchase I just made... Just anything. Yeah. What did I do? Like yesterday. Do yesterday? <laughs> or this morning. Oh, yesterday we got Pastrami House oh. for dinner. And we went grocery shopping after. So I think the grocery store was probably the last. Mm-hmm. How was Pastrami House? Expensive? 
yeah, I think it was well, not so expensive, <laughs> but it it was not cheap, and it but it was really good. That's good. it's so good. I need, I'm excited to have it in town. I know their matzo ball soup, all of it. Well, this is so fun. Thank you for coming in, Ashley, and spilling the tea on all things money. Now, where can people find you? They can find me at thefiscalfem.com, T-H-E, the fiscal, F-I-S-C-A-L, F-E-M-M-E dot com and at the Fiscal Femme on all social media. Yes, you got to follow her on Instagram. They have such fun stuff coming out of their account and it really is inspiring. Thanks again for coming. Thank you. This has been wonderful. For our self-care segment this week, Sean Engel, owner of Witchy Wisdoms, is here in studio. She's a spiritual mentor, brand strategist, entrepreneur, tower reader, and a Hoboken Girl contributor and local resident. Today, she'll be talking about crystals and the best ones for your workplace. Welcome, Sean. Hello. I'm so excited about this topic. Yay. I honestly use crystals so much. And when I was working in corporate, I used them all the time for my protective energy. Mm -hmm. So I want to hear, and I'm sure many inquiring minds want to know, what crystals are good for what at work? Yes. Okay. So I have, I have four that are good for the workplace. And just as a pro tip, mm-hmm. you can either keep them on your desk or you can put them in your bra or in a pocket. Oh, and it helps like with know. your own internal energy. Uh, but I think let's say let's start with obsidian. I think uh, sometimes, a lot of the time, there are people that deal with a negative interaction with a coworker or maybe a boss or something. And obsidian is the perfect stone to protect yourself from negative energy. It's basically like erecting uh, energetic boundaries directly around you. So, you know, let's say your boss is in a bad mood. You have that obsidian there and it's like almost like you're untouched. So obsidian is really good for that. Create that wall. Yeah, exactly. That's great. What else? So citrine is really good for success. So that's the white with the orangey. Yeah, it's got a little bit orange in there. Mm -hmm. It's really good for amplifying like your energy in terms of work. So like, let's say you're up for a promotion or something and you carry citrine with you. It's like inspiring you to work towards it. That's a good one. Yeah, it is a good one. I love citrine. It's one of my favorites. Um, I also think that rose quartz is a really good one. It's a self-love stone, but I think, you know, because this day and age that we're so wrapped up in our work, it's really important to maintain that quality of self-love while you're working. Sometimes we can get beat down. Especially in this area. Mm -hmm. New York City is just... So full. many go-getters, yeah. you know, and it's really important to maintain that level of self-care and self-love. Um, but then also our final one that Tell I me. think is amethyst. Oh, my birthstone. Yes, it is. I was going to say, <laughs> I was like Aquarius. <laughs> uh, but it's wonderful for focus and clarity. Mm. So, you know, if you're just kind of sluggish one day or if there's a project that you're like going cross-eyed over, amethyst is the perfect stone to help amplify that. I love it. And I've heard amethyst is good for under, someone told me under your pillow if you're sleeping. It is it is good for that um, if you want to do dream work. Oh, yeah. interesting. We can talk about that another time. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a whole, it's a whole other animal. Anything else people should know about workspaces and ways to protect their energy or amplify what they're manifesting? Absolutely. So um, I think the most important thing that along with crystal work is doing self-development work because a rock is not going to protect you from everything as much as I would love <laughs> Why to not? say that it does. I know, but just because you buy rose quartz doesn't mean you just love yourself. And I, so it's really important. <laughs> to start working on those boundaries exercise saying no no is the most magical word you can use because we get really overwhelmed at work sometimes and we just can't take on more and more projects so exercising those boundaries are only going to help your crystal work for you better so I think that's probably a great tip and so true yeah that's self-care yeah (laughs) well thank you so much for coming in and spilling these tips this is awesome Um, where can people find you you can find me at witchy wisdoms just about everywhere and witchywisdoms.com. Thanks again. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Our hidden gem this episode is none other than the Hoboken Historical Museum. 
If you don't know what I'm talking about, or even if you do, you should definitely check them out. Not only do they have an awesome spot on 13th and Hudson, but they are such a wealth of knowledge online. The Hoboken Historical Museum has archives upon archives of photos of old Hoboken, and I highly recommend checking them out online. They also have an exhibit called Then and Now, where you can take your phone and look at places from then and now and really see the differences in our history and how things have either changed or stayed the same. They also have a walking tour for Frank Sinatra. There's so much to explore, especially with Hoboken's history, so I highly recommend visiting. It's located at 13th and Hudson in Hoboken. Our getaway this week is Milford, Pennsylvania, which is actually at the border of the New York and New Jersey border, but Pennsylvania near the Poconos, if that makes sense. There's an adorable bed and breakfast called Hotel Faucher there, some antique shops, a beautiful spot called The Mill where you can have breakfast, and in the summer months, it's great because there's rafting not far away in the Delaware River. Hiking trails galore. I highly recommend it if you want to get out of Hoboken, Jersey City area, and the founder of the park service, Gifford Pinchot, also has an incredible home there that is worth checking out. It's huge, and it looks like a palace. So that's Milford, Pennsylvania, and you can probably stay at Hotel Faucher. They also have a great little restaurant there, so highly recommend it. It's a great little getaway. Our Hudson hero this week is Via, which is the cheaper transport option in Jersey City that just rolled out because $15 Uber rides are now a thing of the past. And our Hudson Zero is Patrick McGill because the Hoboken Fire Department and Police Department have a lot more important things to do than head to McSwiggins to check out a fire extinguisher. Our nonprofit for this episode is Hope's Community Action Partnership, which is a local organization dedicated to providing services to the community that respond to the social, educational, and training needs of individuals in an effort to overcome barriers and fight the causes of poverty. They do so much for our community. They engage families in care and development of their children. They foster development of young children from birth to five years of age through their Head Start programs. They prepare these children for school readiness. There is just so much that they do, and so please consider giving back to them this week. Hopes.org is the website to get involved, to maybe volunteer, to donate, and they also are part of Amazon Smile, which means you can set up your Amazon Smile account to directly donate to Hopes Cap as you purchase on Amazon, which I don't like when people do, but we all do it from time to time, so it's a great way to at least give back. So hopescap.org. And that concludes this episode of Tea on the Hudson. Major thanks to our guests, Ashley Feinstein and Witchy Wisdom, Sean Engel, for coming on the show, our production team, Van Voorst Films, and Mike Soul for our music. We'll be spilling the tea every Tuesday morning, so definitely subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us spread the word. You can also get in touch with us by following at Tea on the Hudson on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and email T on the Hudson at gmail.com. See you next week for a new episode. <laughs>